hi guys. Um, so today we're going to continue in our study in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at um, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Um, last time I shared, we began with the first part of the, of the chapter, and we learned about um, being made alive in Christ and how it's by grace through faith that we're saved um, and not by our works. Did I say we were in Ephesians? Did I say that already? Okay, sorry. Um, so just a reminder, like this letter is essentially summed up in two major themes. The first one being that Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. And the second that Christ has um, united people from all nations to himself and to one another. So in this section of our study, we're going to be introduced to that um, second theme. And it will be further illustrated in the remaining um, chapters of this letter. So Let's go ahead and um, read the entire chapter um, just so that you can get the full context of what um, Paul says in this section. So Ephesians chapter two says, um, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead um, in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace um, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good um, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could, so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the soul called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with me, saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom also in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. 
Okay, so let's go back to verse um, 11. So after having said all the um, first 10 verses, Paul transitions into his next thoughts based on um, those initial verses in the chapter saying, therefore, or because the statements that were just made in the previous 11 verses are true, um, remember, remember that you were once counted among the sons of disobedience. Remember that you too, at some point, lived in the lusts of your flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And then Paul um, doesn't stop there. He brings up the fact that they're Gentiles, non-Jewish believers, by reminding them that they were called um, of the uncircumcision. I don't, I don't think I'm saying that right. Um, by those that call themselves of the circumcision. So basically warning them against growing in any type of arrogance against those who were not believers, reminding them that not only are they saved by grace through faith, but they were also grafted into the family of God. They weren't originated in there. Um, in Romans chapter 11, uh, you guys can go there if you'd like. Romans 11, um, verses 11 through 24, Paul writes, um, speaking of Gentiles and Jews, he says, um, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Far from it. But they, but by their wrongdoing, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous, speaking of um, the Jewish people. Now, if their wrongdoing proves to be riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will, the, will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Therefore, in so far as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry if somehow I may, I may move my own people to jealousy and save some of them. For if their rejection proves to be the re reconciliation of the world, what, would the, what will their acceptance be but lie from the dead? If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are as well. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, Branches were cut off so that I may be grafted in. Quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. See then the kindness and severity of God. To those he fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, for otherwise you will be cut off. Oh, you too will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and contrary to nature, nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So because of this, Paul continues um, in verse 12 and says, remember that you were at that time, at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
So remember that at one point, you weren't included in the commonwealth of Israel, and you were not included among those who were chosen of God initially. So do not become arrogant. Don't view the, um, I'm sorry, don't view the gift of your salvation um, with even the slightest sense of entitlement and do not view the gift of salvation as something that is common because it's, because it's the furthest thing from it. While lost, without hope and without God, you were considered strangers um, and the promises that belong to the people of God were not yours. Um, in Romans chapter two, verse four, Paul says, um, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So it is the kindness of the Lord that leads every single heart to repent and to believe in Jesus. And it is because God is rich in mercy and because his love is great that even while we were dead in our transgression, um, he made us alive together with Christ. So now that it's been established that all who are saved have literally nothing to do with their salvation and that Gentiles were grafted in and can be grafted or broken right off. Now that room for any type of arrogance has been basically demolished. Paul goes on to say um, in verses 13 to 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put um, to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So, but now, now that you're a part of the family of God through Christ because of the shedding of his blood and have been brought near, now you have Jesus who is the peace between um, both the Gentile and Jew. So who you once were is of no real um, significance because you've been reconciled to God and you've been born again and are daily being regenerated to be um, more like your savior. And Jesus is the savior of all, not only of um, the Jewish people, but of any person who would believe in him. Jesus is the peace between both the Jews and Gentiles. And it is he that has broken down um, the barrier and dividing wall that previously prevented both groups of people from becoming one. Um, in Christ, it is no, it no longer matters if someone is um, a Jew or a Gentile because it is our identity in Christ that transcends any other lens that we once viewed ourselves through or any other lens that, um, that we're tempted to view ourselves through now. Because who you are in Christ matters more than whoever you were prior or anything that this world has to say about who you are or who you should be. Um, because of Jesus, we have been granted the ability to, um, to live in unity and even harmony um, among each other as one body. And the law, I think, is what Paul was referring to as the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. And that was demolished and made powerless by Jesus because he is the fulfillment of it. He's the fulfillment of the law. And in being so, the condemnation that... Um, 
that the law brings no longer pertains to the believer. Um, in Romans chapter eight, um, in the first four verses, Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it is through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering of for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk um, according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So because of this, we have been made um, into a new man or a new woman and are now under the second Adam, which is Christ, in whose image the Christian is being, um, is recreated and is being recreated. Um, and verse 18 says, for through whom, for through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the father. So we now have access in the spirit to the father. The church is brought to life by the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who um, who unites the body of Christ and gives us one shared hope, which is eternal life, and to get to enjoy God forever in glory. Our mediator, which Jesus, granted us the gift of the living God to dwell in us and to have complete access to the Father. And this is the greatest of luxuries that anyone can get to experience, um, to have complete access to Yahweh and to not have to bring an offering or a sacrifice in the form of an animal each time um, would have blown away Old Testament characters. Um, in the Old Testament, it was only on certain days that people could go and sacrifice and it had to be a certain type, a specific type of sacrifice. And some had to wait their turn each year and not everyone got to like um, be able to participate and be in going into the presence of God because there was always someone um, who had the foreshadowing role of what was to come. Someone who would intercede and, me and mediate between God and man. And today, literally anyone can come to God as they are and be received and heard and accepted because of Jesus. And that would be unheard of prior to the first coming of Christ. So if you're having a bad week or a bad, a bad month, I really hope that that's encouraging to you. Um, you have access to the creator of all things and um, to your maker and he loves you and he cares for you and he hears you. So Jesus Christ came that he might reconcile the world to the father so that he might reconcile and so that he might reconcile all peoples to one another um, so that we would become one church, um, his bride. It is really beautiful to when you think about it that way um, and being able to draw near to God and get to um, and to get to enjoy him forever as a new creation is, I think, the greatest accomplishment of Jesus work of redemption. Um, the last verses say. Um, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So because, so because God has 
chosen to make you his and he's grafted you into his family. You are no longer strangers and aliens. You have, you have and are being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets in Christ Jesus himself, who is the cornerstone. He is in whom um, we are being fitted together and who is growing us into a holy temple in himself. And it is in Christ in whom we are being built together into a dwelling that is suitable for God in, this holy, in the Holy Spirit. Um, so now as a member of the family, it is important to be thoroughly convinced of who we are as saints and as members of the family. And it is important that, um, <clears throat> sorry, that um, we get to know the one who created us so that we know who we are in him um, <clears throat> and who he says that we are as individuals and also what it is that is required of us as his children. Um, we're no longer strangers or foreigners, but we're now citizens of God's household with all of the protections and rights that come with that title. Christians are a temple of God corporately, which means that if we are a part of the body of Christ, we need to be a part of a corporate like church body, meaning that we cannot be without a local church home. It's essential for a Christian living. And it is a gift to get to come together and worship and draw near to God is a family, whatever um, that may look like. God is worthy of all worship and honor and reverence. Um, and this hope that we have of eternal life and getting to enjoy God forever came at the expense of his son. Um, Christ has provided for us eternal life so that even death would lose it's gripped on its grip on us. It would lose the fear that we may have whenever we come to face it. Um, and God is the only one with the means that was able to afford afford this price tag. Um, there's no greater kindness than this. And Jesus is not only the one that unites um, everything together. He is the creator of all things and the one who holds all things together in his hands. What Christ did on the cross on our behalf for the glory of his father to unite us back to himself and to bring people together is really, really amazing. And um, at the end, ending this chapter, it's just, we're just reminded that Jesus is in fact the culmination of literally everything. Um, 